the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. And I will be preaching Mass today. Um, Sarah and I both work out of what feels like very heavy colds. Um, we rep tested before we, I came, and Sarah rep tested, and we both were clear. But um, I'm, just in case I'm masking and I'll be keeping my distance, I won't be joining you for coffee or taking part in the piece of our service. So, today is Te Puhuri Sunday. And it's a day that's appropriately set following both Pentecost, where we remember the birth of the church, and Trinity Sunday, which speaks to us of the nature of our God who exists as a complex community of persons. To Pohiri Sunday is the day on which we celebrate and reflect on the life of our three Tsukama Church and the constitution which brought that triumphant structure into being. We know the story of our church's beginning in this land. Christmas 1814 Ruatara invites Samuel Marsden to preach in Oihiki Bay and in Bay of Islands. In studying for my masters, I spent a lot of time looking at the circumstances that led up to that moment on Christmas morning. And within that narrative and within the ongoing story of the church's grounding in Aotearoa, there are countless, countless moments of serendipity where the agency of the Holy Spirit is as good an explanation for how that happened as any other explanation. But this Sunday is not the moment to look at those. But to set the context, we begin as a missionary church. The CMS missionaries, to the best of their abilities, laboured to begin a Māori church. The Māori name for the Anglican Church is the Hahi Nihanari, the Missionary Church. But with the signing of the treaty, with growing numbers of European settlers, the Missionary Church morphs into a settler church. The CMS is displaced by a branch of the Church of England. Tihahi Mihanare becomes a settler church and Māori's ongoing participation in the church comes with a few exceptions to reflect the participation of Māori permitted in colonial society. Within the church, this change is not universally accepted. The Māori church remains. But its interests are subordinate to the interests of the Pākehā church, the Siddha church. And in response to this, in 1928, the church calls Frederick Bennett as the first Māori bishop and Bishop of Aotearoa. It sounds simple when you read it like that, but if you dig into it a little bit more, there is a 
this amount of politics and to get that over the line. Afrana Nata was part of that politic and he was determined that the Māori bishop, the bishop of Aotearoa, would be, funnily enough, a Māori. <laughs> and it took a long time to get that over the line. And so the only way they could do it in the end, because the, um, the other bishops that existed within the church at the time, were opposed to it. The only way they got it over the line in the end and Frederick Bennett was appointed was to make the Bishop of Aotearoa a suffragan, kind of like a bishop that sits beside the bishop. Not an assistant as such in this case, but he sat beside the Bishop of Waipu. So the first Māori bishop, the Bishop of Aotearoa, had no territorial jurisdiction, no diocese, no license to minister outside of Waipo. And in many of the other dioceses, dioceses in the province, he wasn't allowed to minister. Fifty years later, in 1978, some measure of autonomy was given to him, to that office, with the creation of Te Pihopatanga or Te And then in 1992, General Senate ratified our constitution, the new constitution, Te Pohere, forming us into one church made up of three tikanga of Māori, Pākehā and Pacifica. The three tikanga of the church were cultural, are cultural streams that give expression to cultural forms of worship, cultural forms of leadership, and cultural forms of organisation within the church. From Māori, from Pākehā, and the peoples of Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga. Now, like any constitutional change, this did not just spring up out of nowhere. This new structure, 1992, it seems uh, current rather than historic for me still. Um, the 90s, I remember the was there. Um, like any structure, that change, it didn't spring up. This new structure then was the recognition that in the church, as in our society as a whole, that Northern Hemisphere structures and attitudes had delivered an equitable outcomes for our tikanga partners. And a recognition of systemic inequality requires a systemic response. But a response, change, is not a solution. It hopefully delivers better, more equitable outcomes, but those outcomes are delivered within a context of injustice and equality that the change is in itself a response to. You see, racism is more than just acts of bigotry by individuals directed at people because of ethnicity or nationality. Racism is also seen in differences in pain and housing discrimination and rates of policing and incarceration and in health outcomes. 
And it can be difficult for us to see what we can personally do to correct such systemic inequalities that are perpetuated by a system where the outcomes are determined or made worse by race. If we're not paying attention to how others are marginalised by large social forces that we may feel are out of our personal control, our silent acceptance of the status quo perpetuates the problem. Tipohiri is the name given to that 1992 constitution. It alludes to the post to which Waka are fastened. And they're fastened to the post to prevent their loss to the current or to the tide. To consider Tipohiri on this Sunday is to acknowledge the reality of the ongoing systemic injustice that still prevails in the church and in our nation. Tupohiri is an image of resistance, an anchor against the prevailing time. In 1992, Tupohiri was the church's reaction against the current of injustice that continues today to consistently deliver outrageously, disproportionately high numbers in any measure of social or economic deprivation for Māori and Pacific people in this country. In our Gospel today, Jesus says, This is my commandment. A commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. And in the epistle reading out of Corinthians, Paul expands and tries to lay out the effect of that love. And in the message version of the Bible, our reading today reads like this One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat, the same water. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a better life than people ever lived on their own. And then jumping forward in the reading. Because of this decision, we don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and to enter into God's work of making things right between them. In 1992, Dupohiri proclaimed our church's intention to enter into God's work of making things right. A work that is still needed, a work that is ongoing, a work that requires each one of us.